Hello, friends. Thank you for listening in today. The theme of this first episode in a series is one that I consider really foundational. As you know, my goal with Pondering Purple is to help missionaries' kids and the people who love them to better understand the complexities that drive us, the gifts and the challenges, the joys and the frustrations of growing up in a multicultural, ministry-focused, and complicated environment. There was a time when I wasn't aware of the differences that came from growing up between worlds and of the push and pull of the happy and the hard. Then I went to a school for missionary kids in Germany when I was in ninth grade, and I quickly came to realize that those indefinable differences I hadn't quite been able to put a finger on were not just in me. My friends at Black Forest Academy exhibited really similar traits. That's where my fascination with MKs and their complex identity began. To some degree, all these years later, it's why my life's work is founded on further exploring the indefinable. Each one of us is different from the other, that goes without saying, shaped by our personal accomplishments and struggles, our experiences and relationships, and the lands that infused our souls with their sounds and sights and savors. But our similarities, those are what I see as foundational pieces to understanding MKs better in order to love them well. It's also why I want to begin this series with an article called The Five C's That Define Most MKs to outline in broad strokes what our similar quirks and qualities are in the hope of starting a longer conversation and maybe even deeper exploration. I need to acknowledge right at the start that I'll be speaking in generalities, and for every assertion I make, there'll be numerous exceptions, and you might be one of those. But this is a good place to start, and the episodes that follow will dive even deeper into particular traits, strengths, and challenges we MKs might not even realize we have in common. So, if you are an MK, if you're raising MKs, or if you love MKs, the following article is for you. This is The Five C's That Define Most MKs. Defining what it means to be an MK ranks right up there with summarizing the plot of Inception or The Matrix. We're not just Rubik's Cubes. We're Rubik's Cubes whose facets are made of multicultural experiences mixed with universal milestones and tinged with spiritual overtones. In other words, we're confusing to ourselves and to others. In the interest of helping those who love us to untangle our complexity, I offer you a five-point definition of what it is to be an MK. This is by any measurement, an incomplete picture, and traits will occur to various degrees depending on our personality, age, and type of cross-cultural experience. But I hope it's a good start for those of you trying to figure us out. Number one, contradictory. From the outside looking in, we can be a head-scratching collection of contradictions. One minute we seem qualified to run a small country, and the next we're having a panic attack trying to place an order at Chipotle. We have a visceral understanding of world events and geography, but we may not be able to tell you whether D.C. is a state. We can navigate the transportation system of most foreign cities, but we may not have a driver's license at the age of 23. We may easily connect with people from other cultures and have absolutely no idea about the Kardashians or Duck Dynasty. Some of us can have philosophical conversations in three different languages, but we may not know how many cents are in a dime. We may have no clue what a running back is. 
We may consider laws to be merely suggestions right up until we get arrested. We may try on clothes while standing in the middle of the store because changing rooms, really? It can lead to what I call schizophrenic self-esteem. One minute we feel confident and proud of what we bring to society, and the next we're wondering why at my age can I not figure out this ATM? Number two, complex. When adults from Planet Blue move to Planet Red, they end up like mixed beads. The different inputs and traits of each place intermingled but still distinguishable. When children from Planet Blue grow up in Planet Red, they end up like red and blue Play-Doh in the hands of a four-year-old. Purple. Their blue and red combined into an inextricable other that is hard to understand. So when you see us being weird, there's a chance we're actually just being our complex selves and doing or saying things in a way that is absolutely normal in our other worlds. Some of us might point with our lips instead of our fingers or hold hands walking down the street with people of the same gender without it meaning anything. We might never use our left hand when handling food or avoid looking you in the eye, even in a job interview. It's not that we're trying to be different. We're simply being another culture's definition of normal. In many respects, we're hidden immigrants. We may look, act, talk, and dress like we're from right down the street, but internally, we identify with other places. But it goes beyond behavioral differences. From our time in other cultures, some of us may have absorbed different attitudes about modesty, morality, theology, gender roles, and authority. As an example, women who come from countries where the female body isn't taboo won't think twice about wearing a low-cut shirt to church. MKs who have grown up in cultures where drinking alcohol is as common as drinking Coke won't hesitate to drive down the road holding an open can of beer as people in their other worlds do. They don't realize things are different here. So I encourage those who know MKs to ask questions before coming to conclusions about our character and respectability, because like our patron saint, Elf, we might look the part, but we're not really from here. Number three, conflicted. This goes beyond having a minor stroke when trying to decide who to cheer for during the Olympics or World Cup soccer. Many of us find it nearly impossible to make sense of all we've known and experienced. We've been gifted with so much good growing up as MKs. What we've accomplished and witnessed, what we've learned and assimilated, what we've enjoyed and evaluated, we wouldn't trade it for the world. But for many of us, there have been hard things to get through, too. Some of us have seen famine, had friends killed by disease, lived in fear of violent attacks, or felt powerless in the face of unimaginable need. Yet, we wouldn't trade it for the world. Some of us have had to deal with separation, abuse, neglect, heightened expectations, alienation, anxiety, hard goodbyes, and impossible transitions— Yet we wouldn't trade it for the world. Granted, young people the world over may struggle with abuse, neglect, alienation, and depression. What makes these significant in the lives of MKs is that every hardship we've had to face can be traced back to God. The buck, as they say, stops with Him because our lives have been shaped by His call on our parents. So, for the spiritually conflicted MK, the litany of accusations starts with a God-centered why? 
Why did he call my parents to such a hard place? Why didn't he protect my friends from getting sick with Ebola? Why didn't he step in before that adult harmed me? Why did he drag my family into a life that is tearing us apart? I've seen it so often. I've experienced it myself. The pain of a life devoted to ministry can taint our view of God. Though it often deepens our faith, it can also weaken or destroy it. There's a common assumption that MKs are spiritual giants, yet that's sadly not always the truth. If we're given the understanding, time, and support we need, though, we will become more likely to unravel the conflicts in our minds and hopefully to find Jesus waiting in a place called healing. Number four, compressed. I've written extensively about MKs and relationships, and I'll link to that article in this episode's notes. But if we're defining MKs, we need to address this trait. We're compressed in the way we manage relationships. It comes from the high mobility of life on the mission field and the number of losses we experience from a young age. Either we're constantly in motion or the world around us is constantly in motion. So we know that we don't have the luxury of time. If we see someone who looks like friend material, we dive in and fast, quickly getting to the meat of what we know and think and feel. To the onlooker familiar with a more slow-paced entrance into relationship, we're going to appear intense and hurried. To us, the traditional progressive development of friendship is going to feel shallow and long-winded. That's a huge hurdle of misperception on both sides. In the MK's hurry to get to true friendship, we might be dismissing those who don't dive as fast as we do, and they might be exactly the friends we're looking for. So if you see an MK burning through friendships at warp speed, you might need to remind us that things are done differently in monocultural settings and that we'd be better served to slow it down and give relationships the time to prove themselves. Number five, comprehensive. Our geographical allegiance is fervent but broad. That can be hard for friends who have only ever belonged to one culture to understand. We watch the news with knowing eyes, subconsciously scanning footage of places we've called home for familiar faces, and feeling unrest and environmental crises in a visceral, sometimes overinvested way. The intensity of our love for foreign lands is inflamed by the longing of elapsed time and distance. Though many of us develop an authentic attachment to our passport culture, we can't fathom making it the center of our identity. Our international years predicate our worldview, no matter how constricted our geography might become later in life. This hesitation to entirely buy in can lead us to shirk putting down deep roots and avoid positions associated with purely national concerns. Our cultural palette is so panoramic that Mononational belonging feels almost like betrayal. It's not that we don't love our passport culture. We can be comprehensive in our allegiances and include it in the mix. It's that we love other cultures too, and the depth of our missing them can make foreign places feel more heart-connected than our current location. So those are the five C's that define most MKs. 
Our multicultural, confusing, challenging, and life-enhancing backgrounds are not boulders we drag around behind us. They can give us the ability to expand viewpoints, introduce innovation, and build bridges between clusters of sameness to diversify monocultures. If we can work through the contradictions, complexity, and conflicts of growing up as we have, if we can harness the advantages and disarm the hazards, we can bring valuable MK assets into our adult lives and spheres. But as we tackle the hard stuff, celebrate the great stuff, and repurpose the MK stuff to better serve our world, we might need the help and patience of those who love us despite our differences. Because, as the saying goes, it might take a village to untangle our complicated, intimate, and rich shade of purple. Thank you so much, friends, for taking the time to listen today. In bringing you these articles in audio form, my prayer is to build a broader village of MK understanding people in order to care for them better and to love them well. Make sure you check the episode notes for a link to this article and a couple related resources. And you might also want to check out my website, michellephoenix.com, and my social media pages, all of which are linked in the notes. Please don't hesitate to leave a comment anywhere the podcast is posted or through the contact button on my site. These articles are conversation starters, and I want to engage with you. As I wrap up this recording today, I want you to know that I celebrate the purple you are or the purple you love. Thank you for your time.